So Lisa and I are back with uh, another podcast and another topic, and um, partly because we sort of finished out last week's topic on conflict, we, we sort of gravitated towards this whole issue of forgiveness. We thought, you know, let's, let's give this a little more space because forgiveness is a pretty big deal in scripture and in life and also can be misunderstood and can be a pressure that people feel in ways that may not be healthy. Yes. And we started last week with looking at biblical models of handling conflict. I'm wondering about some biblical models of forgiveness. I know we expect God to forgive us, but why do we do that? Yes. Does God forgive? <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's really interesting that you start with that question because last week I was actually rereading the book of Jeremiah. And one of the things that's really striking about that book is the degree to which God is depicted as really not willing to forgive <laughs> the Israelites uh, for the first, you know, three-fifths of the book, I would say, is that's pretty much where God is. And a lot of it is you is because there is this, this strong sense uh, that the Israelites have betrayed God. So they, they were God's covenant partners, and somehow they— um, it's not just that they broke the covenant, but somehow he is personally aggrieved because there has been this, this betrayal, this turning away from God towards, um, towards other gods, for example, towards other loyalties. You know, and that kind of opens up this whole topic of scripturally, how does the Bible actually approach forgiveness? You know, how does it portray it? Who's doing it? When are people mm, not mm-hmm. forgiving, you know? To say that God is forgiving, I think we want to definitely highlight that. <laughs> we don't want to say the opposite. It's a good thing. But at the same time, I think it can be helpful for people who are finding themselves struggling to forgive someone. Um, it can be helpful to realize that God also struggles at times mm. with forgiveness. And that there seems to be for God something especially poignant about the sin of betrayal. Um, and feeling as if a person who should be loyal to you is not loyal to you. So so that's kind of one of the first things to say about the Scripture and forgiveness. Um, another thing from the Old Testament, which I think is, is very interesting, is there aren't that many Old Testament characters who are depicted as forgiving someone, mm, <laughs> which I think point. is kind of interesting, you know? An example of what I'm talking about is in the Exodus story, you don't see any pressure being put on the Israelites to forgive the Egyptians. That doesn't mean that there aren't moments of pathos for the Egyptians in that story. But what you don't see is any sort of call um, on the Israelites or for the Israelites to forgive the Egyptians. So does God not expect the Israelites to well, forgive the let's Egyptians? let's just put it this way. You don't have a moment where God says to the Israelites, and now you must forgive the, the <laughs> Egyptians for yeah. everything that they've done to you. And in fact, what you have is, you know, when the escape has been made and the Pharaoh and his chariots have been sort of engulfed by the waters, what you really have is um, the depiction of a celebration, Mm, um, mm-hmm. And so this is seen as a moment of triumph and victory and liberation and deliverance, and it's seen as this good thing, and there isn't sort of an accompanying, there isn't really any moment that I know of in Exodus where God says, and now 
the time has come for you to forgive the Egyptians. It just doesn't happen, you know? Um, and I think that's interesting. You know, I think the Old Testament is very much alive to the social reality of differences in power and mm, the fact that there mm -hmm. are stronger people and groups that oppress weaker people and groups. And there's almost a sort of sense of like, what is a just expectation of the weaker group vis-a-vis mm. -vis that stronger group? Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it, it complicates the sort of um, kind of easy advice to, you know, you need to forgive them. You know, it, right. you know, it doesn't, that, that voice isn't really very alive in the Old Testament, I would say. It's much easier to think of forgiving down in a power relationship, to forgive somebody who's kind of under you, like a child Absolutely. who's made a mistake. Yes. But it's much harder to imagine a situation of forgiving up someone who's over you, who's yes. been pressing you. Yes. Part of the issue of justice is what is reasonable to expect of a person who has been harmed by someone more powerful than than they are, you know? Um, is it is it reasonable to expect forgiveness or is it more reasonable to expect celebration when they're no longer, you know, when they're when the boot's no longer on their neck, you know? Um, and so I think the Old Testament takes kind of a, it takes a very sort of realistic view of that. Mm. Now, there are definitely moments in the Old Testament where um, people experience a need for forgiveness Oh, yes. Um, to, you know, from God, I'm thinking the Psalms mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that, where, you know, the, the psalmist is really longing for an experience of forgiveness. So I, that's that's very much alive in the Old Testament. So what about Jesus? What does Jesus have to tell us about forgiveness? Well, you know, Jesus takes quite a different line on <laughs> forgiveness. Um, but I think there's some interesting things going on in the context of the New Testament that might help us understand why he takes the line that he does. So one of the most important things to recognize about Jesus when it comes to forgiveness is that he really thinks that if people want to be forgiven by God, they need to in turn forgive other people. Mm. You know, you, you don't kind of get God's forgiveness for free if you're a person who's completely unforgiving of other people. Um, and he really explicitly says that. Um, and in fact, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those yep. who sin against us. I mean, that is a real, that, that is definitely an important aspect of his teaching on forgiveness. But I would say that there's, here again, I'm always interested in the nuances. <laughs> um, I think what's interesting about Jesus's context and why he would take such a hard line on forgiveness and just say, no, you have to do it. You know, how many times should I forgive the brother who sinned against me? Not seven times, but 70 times, you know, that sort of language. I think he is living in a context where people are really actively withholding forgiveness from other people. Mm. For example, um, one of the earliest stories where you see Jesus engaging uh, with the issue of forgiveness is the story about the paralyzed man who gets lowered down through the roof of the building. And in that story, um, Jesus says to him, you know, your sins are forgiven. And immediately, the sort of powers that be who are witnessing this are upset at Jesus for doing this. You know, who is this fellow? You know, who, you know, who is the right to forgive sins but God alone? The implication is that we're dealing with a context where 
people are basically saying, you know, only God can forgive your sin. You know, I'm not going to. And Jesus is pushing people to be the agents of forgiveness for other people. You know, he's not going to just sort of push that onto God and, you know, the rest of us are off the hook. He's, he's really going to say, no, you have the power to forgive and you need to forgive. You know, that's not just something that God does in this world, it's something that all of us need to do. So there seems to be kind of a pay-it-forward quality to Jesus's perspective on forgiveness. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the other thing that's interesting about his context is there is very little value placed on the lives of people who are perceived as requiring forgiveness, so like the Mm, sinners, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, they're just basically to be ignored, shunted to the side, not included, feared, you name it. But Jesus has this another moment, a very important moment of Jesus interacting with someone who other people see as sinners. You know, Jesus makes the point that, you know, the person who has been forgiven little loves little. Mm. There's something about people who have gone astray but then repented and come back that makes those people or can make those people more loving members of a community. And so again, in a context where, you know, people, you know, they, they don't want to extend forgiveness to others, you know, Jesus is saying, no, it's like when you extend that forgiveness to someone else, you know, that other person brings something back into the community that is of real profound value. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and in fact, it's the person who's never done anything wrong, who doesn't need anybody's forgiveness. That person is potentially a more destructive member of the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned um, that people repenting and coming back. And I'm curious about what is the role of repentance in forgiveness? Is it is it a necessary precondition? That's, that's a really good question. I would say in Matthew it's not, but in Luke it is. Like okay. the, the same story where you have this interaction between Peter and Jesus. I'm hoping I'm getting this, I'm remembering this correctly. But in Matthew's gospel, Peter is like, how many times do I have to forgive? And Jesus is like, not seven times, but 70 times. You know, In Luke's gospel, Jesus says, however many times that person repents and comes back to you, you need to forgive them. So there's something a little bit different going on there. Now, I think in Matthew, Matthew's gospel seems to me to be very concerned about this problem of believers suing each other and, <laughs> and sort of how do you deal with conflict in the community and, and how do we work these things through so that the community can be cohesive. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't surprise me that Matthew would really emphasize, no, you need to keep on forgiving. Whereas Luke, with his concern for the relatively less powerful, for the poor, for the ill, um, I can understand why there would be that, no, there needs to be repentance too, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But so long as the person is genuinely repenting, you know, you don't hold it against them. You, you forgive and you, you attempt to move on. It seems like forgiveness is for the forgiver as well as the forgiven. Yes, yes. And I think one of the things that's very interesting about Jesus and forgiveness and the Gospels is, or at least I try to remember that this is a context where you have, you still have sort of the sacrificial system going on and sort of the sense in which it's like, okay, I've done something wrong. 
you know, uh, so I'm going to sacrifice something and then I'll be absolved. And Jesus seems really more interested in the whole process of how do two people come to a new relationship? Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. because, because yes, if you've done something wrong, making it right with God, that's obviously a really important thing. Right. But if what you've, if the thing that you've done wrong is to hurt someone else, sacrificing that goat or that bull or whatever it is, that doesn't necessarily impact their life. Right. So for Jesus, I think, again, that, that emphasis on, you know, what are the behaviors, what are the attitudes that really build up the relationship between two people? You know, he's, he's more interested in those things. You yeah. Know? You know, so, yeah, it's like if you expect God's forgiveness, then you need to forgive. You know, you need to be about, um, you know, building strong relationships. The relationship is tantamount. Yeah. 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 So what about when a situation when we're looking at a series of of repeated negative behavior? There's forgiving, yeah. but then there's also forgetting. Yes. And you know, we don't want to help people perpetuate negative patterns. Absolutely. You know, sometimes we forget this about Jesus, but Jesus is actually a person who believes in boundaries. And the classic um the classic example of this is his advice in the Sermon on the Mount, do not give what is holy to God's and do not cast your pearls before the swine mm-hmm. or they mm-hmm. will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. I mean, he definitely recognizes that there are people out there where, you know, don't give what is holy. Don't give yourself to them. Don't give them your love, you know, in the sense of trying to draw closer to them because they are going to use that to destroy you. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. they really can't handle what it is that you're attempting to give them. And so don't give it, you know. And, you know, that's a pretty stark thing for him to say. But I, I do think that is a moment where we see him trying to say to us, like, you be careful about people. You know, be careful what you give people. Be care- Be careful you know, how you expose yourself to people. Sometimes we need some real discernment. Yes, yes. Uh, A friend of mine, when I was in seminary, uh, she pointed out that um, Jesus doesn't chase after people, (laughs) Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So the rich young man comes to him and is like, what do I need to do for, you know? And Jesus is like, you know, sell everything and give it to the poor. And he just sort of walks away disconsolately, you know? But part of the other point of that story is that Jesus doesn't chase him down the street and say, wait, wait, you know, um, you know, let's work this out. That's you know, a good he's, point. He's willing to let people go, you know, and, and to make their decisions and to, you know, choose their, their path. It doesn't mean that he has animosity towards them or that he doesn't, he's not maneuvering and calling and seeking for them to come back, but, but he doesn't chase after people in the Gospels. And he doesn't sugarcoat things. He no. tells the guy the truth. No. This Absolutely. is what it is. Absolutely. And Make he gets, decision. you know, he gets angry when people mistreat other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a sign where, again, as in the Old Testament, there is this sort of sense that, like, what realistically and with mercy should be expected of people who have been hurt, who are the powerless. I don't think Jesus is far from. I, I think he understands that, mm-hmm. you know, he understands that there are people who are hurt and left out, 
and um, that it would only be appropriate for them to uh, to harbor anger and um, you know and distrust and things like that. I love that Jesus has realistic expectations for us, that you know, he understands when we come from a place of pain. He understands when we come from a place of fear or anxiety and doesn't place a disproportionate burden. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think one of the things about Jesus is that he really knows us, you know, and um, he is constantly pushing us not to be afraid and mm-hmm. to be more compassionate. And he definitely... I mean, one of the ways of reading the Gospels is to put yourself in the place of the disciples in Mark's Gospel, and he's just irritated at them so much, (laughs) you know? And I think there is a way that we, you know, that he he has high—I would say he has high expectations of us, but at the same time, there is that forgiveness that he extends to us and that mercy, you know? Um, When it comes to forgiveness, do I think, like— you know, don't push yourself to forgive people. <laughs> That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But I do think that we don't make it easier for us to forgive and to be forgiving when we mischaracterize forgiveness as something that's easy. Right. I think we make it much harder for ourselves. Uh, a moment when you see Jesus forgiving someone is, you know, on the cross— he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And even at that moment, Jesus forgives someone because they don't know what they're doing. Mm, it would yeah. be interesting to ask the question, would he forgive them if they did know what they were doing? I mean, you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, presumably the answer is yes, you know. But I, I think to me it's it's striking that, you know, that that he gives a reason for that forgiveness. Yeah. It's not just this automatic, knee-jerk kind of reaction. And it's not a transactional thing. Like, I do something wrong, I say I'm sorry, I get forgiven, we're done. Right. That's not it. It's a much bigger picture about relationships among human beings, relationships right. between human beings and God, relationships right. among the broader community. Right. It's the whole nine yards. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I, this is another uh, podcast where we haven't necessarily tied a bow on forgiveness for all time, <laughs> but I hope we've I hope we've been able to bring up some 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 thoughts, some topics, some biblical um, approaches that might help the people listening to this podcast uh, discern for themselves what God is calling them to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, in in a relationship. Um, the other thing, the thing that we also haven't talked about is what if we're the person who needs to be forgiven? Ooh, uh-oh. And uh, maybe we'll keep that for another podcast. That sounds good. But, you know, how do we do the hard work of re- reconciling with someone whom we part? Um, so, yeah. So we may, we may leave that one till after Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> okay. Well, we send our prayers along with this podcast, and we, um, we wish everybody a, a wonderful December. Merry Christmas.